From our 901 Mission Street studios, you are listening to the San Francisco Chronicle. Welcome to Total SF in Exile. I'm Peter Hartlob here with Heather Knight, and this is not quite a new episode, not quite a repeat. Our lost interview with SFMTA director Jeffrey Tumlin. Do you remember recording this, Heather? Vaguely. It seems like it was about a decade ago, but I think in calendar time, it was maybe eight or ten weeks ago, he came to the basement of the Chronicle. We had a fun chat, and then life went to hell. Yeah, it was uh, March 5th, 2020, which in uh, pandemic days, that was 17 years ago. Right. And uh, came in, we had these enormous plans to debut what would be our Total SF centerpiece for the year. We were so excited. Jeffrey Tumlin, director of the SFMTA, actually agreed to ride every single munibus with us like we did back in 2018. What was that, like 25 years ago? 25 years ago <laughs> in 2018. This was going to be a Total Muni 2020 with the director of Muni. Um, I think it would have had a totally different spin. It would have been fun. We talk about a lot in the episode how we were going to do this. We're going to leave that part, even though we know that we'd love to do this, but we're going to do it when it's safe. And I think maybe more of a celebration of the Muni driver than what we're talking about in this episode. Right. Plus, Muni has to be running. It wouldn't really count to ride 17 lines <laughs> or whatever they have up and running now. So no. we need yeah, to I'm wait thinking till the 2021, full 20, maybe total Muni 2022. Actually, the episode ended up being a lot about Jeffrey Tumlin, which I liked a lot. I learned a lot about him. Yeah, I spoke with him a few days ago for a column, and uh, he's still very much ready to do total Muni with us whenever we can. So he's still, shall I say, on board. Yes, very good. Um, So Total Muni 2027, whatever it is, (laughs) um, we'll get it done. Um, Speaking about transit and our future and Jeffrey Tumlin, I've been thinking a lot about Courtney Brousseau lately, Heather. Yeah, he was in the Total SF circles. We um, traded a lot of tweets with him. He um, loved Muni Diaries, which we loved too, and um, the 49-mile makeover. He was a public transit um, advocate who was very sadly killed a few weeks ago in a random gunfire. Um, he was just 22, and it really shook um, shook up a lot of the transit um, circles in San Francisco. Yeah. Uh, you know, activists have been pushing for bike lanes for 50 years, but there's something about Courtney's generation, and I think of him and I think of a lot of other people that I've interacted with in the last few years that's really connected with me. Um, it seems like Courtney found a way to advocate while also celebrating the city and making the future seem fun and positive. Um, I just remember he was filled with joy. I, my favorite memory, and I followed him on Twitter, but my favorite memory was when we put out the 49 mile makeover and he's 22 years old and Courtney's never, I guess, bought a newspaper. And he's like, I want to go out and get a paper today. How do you get a paper? (laughs) And then ends up spending this long tweet thread going from like corner store to CVS, trying to find a hard copy of a Chronicle, um, documenting his journey in a joyful way and kind of just celebrating the city and, and really what I thought was the spirit of the project that we were doing. 
Yeah, that was amazing to see. And his last tweet before he was killed was buying a burrito and holding it up in front of um, Dolores Park and saying that it was um, kind of a moment of um, normalcy during these horrible times. And little did any of us know that it would get even more horrible a couple of hours later when he was killed. Yeah, um, very sad. But uh, Courtney's life was something uh, really to be inspired by. And it's something that I know I'm going to think about a lot. Yes, and I think he would um, really highly approve of all of the streets that Jeffrey Tumlin has been shutting down in the Slow Streets Project, as well as some other streets that have been closed to cars like Twin Peaks, the Great Highway, JFK Drive. Um, So hopefully those will remain long after shelter in place is over. Um, And finally, and there's no good segue, uh, we're hosting our game night, Heather. Yes. um, We still sadly cannot hang out in person, but we are going to do a virtual Total SF event, which is the Total SF Game Show. You can apply to be a contestant now by taking a very difficult trivia quiz and telling us about yourself. Try to come across as really fun and dynamic. It'll help your, cho- your chances. But you can do that at sfchronicle.com membership. And whether you make the final cut or not, you can watch the game show on the Chronicles Facebook page on um, June 5th at 8 p.m. So that's Friday, June 5th, 8 p.m. Once again, uh, sfchronicle.com slash membership. Take our quiz. It's a long note from Heather and I telling you not to cheat. <laughs> Do and not then cheat. a very fun quiz. So we're just hoping a lot of people take the quiz. A lot of people hang out on Friday, June 5th. And um, looking forward to that and looking forward to sharing this episode Uh, Not a repeat, not a rerun, not new, but a really fun episode with Jeffrey Tumlin from before the pandemic. I'm Peter Hartlop. I'm Heather Knight. And this is Total SF. Thank you very much. Heather Knight. Welcome back to Total SF. Good to be here. With our guest, Jeffrey Tumlin. It's fantastic to have you here. I'm so glad to be here. I know you've been on City Insider with Heather. I just listened to the episode. Um, And it was a bright episode. There were a lot of positives. But today we're going to talk about Total Muni, which is just the most joyful thing. (laughs) I'm I'm quivering with excitement. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So we're going to get there. I did want to go another route to start and just ask you, because it didn't come up, Heather, in your podcast. Very first time you rode Muni, do you remember it? Oh, I, well, it was probably on a family vacation when I was maybe 10. Uh, My mom drove us up to San Francisco and we stayed in a really, really horrible hotel room that looked out onto a light court that I found utterly (laughs) fascinating. Uh, And of course we took an obligatory trip on the cable car because I was about all that my very suburban mother could handle with uh, public transportation. Uh, I was born in Linwood, uh, which is in South Central LA, Mm -hmm. and I grew up in Little Saigon uh, in Orange County, Uh, yeah, Westminster. So it was a road trip to San Francisco. It was a road family road trip to San Francisco. Yeah, we got the you know the triple A vacation guide with the highlighted uh, route that um, my mother tried to follow. That was when I learned uh, map reading. 
Nice. I became the <laughs> An family. important I, skill for total muni. I became the family navigator at an early age. What were your first um, feelings about San Francisco when you saw it as a 10-year-old? I knew that I needed to be here. Um, I saw um, so many oddballs uh, <laughs> that made me feel safe and maybe like I might fit in someplace. And I saw really big buildings with lots of lots of windows and I wanted to know what the story was um, behind each of those windows. Wow, that's a great memory. At, at that time, um, what did you like about San Francisco? I mean, what kind of jumped out at you? And you said oddballs. I mean, do you remember any specific oddballs? Oh, I, I mean, I was 10. So <laughs> <laughs> I was 10 and from the suburbs. So it was kind of just a complete, just the fact that everyone seemed to be an oddball was very exciting to me. Like, ju you know, terrifying in just the right way and also alluring. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Were you uh, thinking about it? High school, college? Were you thinking like San Francisco? That's my destination. Yeah, pretty much from from that family road trip, uh, I knew that I needed to be back here. I chose college uh, to get as close as I could afford to San Francisco. Where uh, did you go to college? Uh, I went to college at Stanford. Oh, that's right. We've been over this. Yep. yep. It was the cheapest op option for me. <laughs> yeah, it's really inexpensive. <laughs> no, it was. It was really, really? the cheap. Yeah, yeah. I'm, it's, I, uh, uh, I uh, you know, my family's adjusted gross income in 1986 was, I think, $5,000 a year. Really? So when your income is that low, uh, Stanford does really well by you. Mm -hmm. yeah. So uh, I had to work to get through college, uh, but I was able to uh, pay for it all on my own. What did your parents do for a living? Uh, my mother was a secretary for uh, the State Department of Rehabilitation. And did you did you get up here? You know, were you spending your weekends when you were at Stanford? Were you coming up in San Francisco and kind of discovering the city as you were going to school there? It's not a real short trip. Uh, well, I still so I had a car uh, going to college uh, because you know growing up that was the only way you could get to work. So I kept my car, um, which allowed me to be able to you know drive up and wander aimlessly around San Francisco. So this was you know it's pre-internet. Mm -hmm. Um, so I discovered San Francisco by wandering aimlessly around and talking to strangers. And what, how old were you when you moved to the city? Uh, right after college, uh, so I was probably 22. I was 22 also. We have a lot in common. <laughs> mm. <laughs> what was it like in the beginning? Um, uh, what did you do? Where did you live? Um, just what was, uh, as a San Francisco resident, what was the beginning like for you? Well, it was a it was a challenging transition. So I, you know, once I graduated from college, uh, the scholarship funds ran out. Uh, I didn't know how to find work. It was 1991, uh, a, a recessionary year. Uh, so I, when I moved up, I lived in my car, uh, and that was how I was able to make myself sufficiently presentable to be able to con my way into a studio apartment in the mission uh, uh, back when an unemployed uh, impoverished single person could actually afford a studio apartment on Lexington Street in the mission uh, and then I um, I found temp jobs uh, I had to remove my college degree from my resume um, in order to get secretarial temp jobs uh, and that was uh, how I managed to uh, feed myself. The sort of impoverished uh, temp network then 
uh, passed along information about where there were happy hours, where for the price of one beer, you could uh, get an entire full dinner at the buffet, uh-huh. <laughs> nice. which was a like, excellent, yes. excellent trade. Yeah. How long did you live in your car? Uh, I don't know. It wasn't. It wasn't that long. It was a. It was a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Where did you park it? <laughs> uh, mostly in and around South Market, uh-huh. which, which was a lot which was changed a lot. Yes. Like there were lots of random, you know, back streets in South Market mm-hmm. where you could sleep in your car, car all night, and uh, neighbors would not complain. Were, were there? Were there? I mean, was there one or, or multiple kind of? incidents involving that's anything scary happen or was it pretty smooth as far as sleeping in your car goes i mean it was pretty smooth it was not something that i was unaccustomed to from yeah. you know the you know growing up um so i kind of knew what to do i knew how to you know do a full sponge bath in a gas station uh, bathroom uh i knew how to you know all the tricks of keeping my clothes uh reasonably unwrinkled so that i could uh, uh fake my way in the world yeah did that give you kind of an understanding and empathy for all of the people today who are homeless as you run this big department that, you know, there's homeless people on the buses every day? Yeah. So on on Tuesday at the SFMTA board, we talked about our towing policies and our fines and citations. Um, and a lot of people from the public showed up uh, to talk about their experiences. Uh, having their car towed, particularly those for whom their car was their only shelter and the only place where they kept their belongings. Mm -hmm. And the stories were pretty um, heart-wrenching. And at the end of the board meeting, I I shared my own experience, including the fact that um, if I'd had my car towed in those first weeks that I spent, you know, in San Francisco, I wouldn't be here today. Right. I mean, I was able to connive my way into housing and into employment because having my car as a shelter um, allowed me to make myself presentable mm-hmm. in a way that is simply not possible for people who have to sleep on the streets. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, you've been on the job, what, about three months now? Just under three months. Yeah, maybe three months next week. And how's it going? <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's the best thing I've ever done. Uh, it is the most intense thing that I've ever done. Uh, every single day brings with it um, its unexpected crises and successes. Uh, it is all-consuming. Yeah. You, you mentioned directness and honesty. That was your plan. Um, you certainly were doing that on Twitter. <laughs> How is that working three months in? Yeah, it seems... So I don't really quite understand how my Twitter present present still works. Um, I had assumed that somebody would tell me to uh, cut that out. Um, but it it seems to be working relatively well, um, combining um, information uh, with um, some the right amount of outrage and snark and compassion. Uh, it also is, I mean, I think staff have, some staff have had a harder time with it because I'm a very unconventional bureaucrat, um, but for the most part, the staff that are um, really motivated and have a strong sense of public service, uh, th- we're getting more done than ever before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I noticed just like a week ago, there was a interruption in service, and uh, I think there were five breakdowns in three hours on the subway. Yes. And heartfelt apology from you. I mean, it was like the threaded apology um, 
what were you thinking before you did that? And I mean, if every time something breaks down, you apologize, that's <laughs> going to be that's going to be a lot of apologies on the on the way to I'm sure a day destination you want to get to. But why'd you do that? And kind of what were you thinking beforehand? Yeah. Well, so I I wasn't apologizing about the breakdowns. The breakdowns are going to continue to happen given the state of the deferred maintenance of the system. Mm-hmm. What I was apologizing for is the failure of our communications, frankly. Um, San Franciscans are remarkably forgiving, but only if we keep them informed about what's going on, what we should expect them to do instead, and what's our plan to fix the problem. So in that Twitter thread, I tried to fill folks in about all those things. Um, It drives me nuts when I'm stuck in the subway and there's no announcement about, like, is this going to be a minor delay and just hang tight? Or has something completely failed, like the switch at DeBose? uh, and, uh, And it would be better for me to just go upstairs and walk or figure out some other way of of getting downtown. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one of the things that I'm working with staff on um, is delivering the right information to our customers so that they can make choices and understand that we care about them. Um, and that's hard in part because for our older rail cars, um, the braided trains, the speaker system isn't working like it should. So when you hear this, um, that's not because... Uh, the person really talks like that. <laughs> right. It's because the hardware isn't working uh, on uh, trains that uh, are basically at the end of their useful life. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're trying to see if there is a short-term fix for that problem while those trains get phased out. Um, the situation is better on our new rail cars. Um, but still, when our operations team, when there's a crisis like what we had uh, last week, the operations team is so focused on solving the operational problem that sometimes there's not the right handoff to the communications team so that they can get the right information out to our customers. Mm-hmm. So we're trying to fix that. You, you ride Muni, I know, but you've also got meetings and a lot going on. How valuable is it for you to ride Muni to get a chance to just go out and experience what the people are experiencing. Uh, It's essential to my job and not only, you know, just riding it as a passenger, but also talking to our operators and our fare inspectors and the janitors at the stations to get information from them. They're the ones who are experiencing the system all day, every day and interacting with our passengers. Um, I also talk a lot with our passengers and, you know, passengers have figured out that, you know, I always have my little SFMTA pin and I always have my SFMTA badge with my name on it. Um, San Franciscans are pretty cool. Like, you know, they don't want to, you know, approach people, but more, you know, pretty are you getting much, recognized a lot? Oh, I get recognized every day. Yeah. yeah. And, 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 you know, people come up and, and ask me questions. More about, in a happy way or an angry way? Well, you know, it's funny actually in person, People are so much kinder and more thoughtful than they ever are on electronic media. <laughs> Don't we know it? <laughs> <laughs> right. The rules of civility actually apply, um, and um, and so I'm always happy to engage with people, mm-hmm. um, you know, on the trains, well, on if the buses. You, if you love engaging with people on trains and buses, um, we have an exciting opportunity for you. (laughs) I can't wait. Um, I don't know that we formally invited you, but um, we would like to invite you to um, participate in a uh, 
in a journey with us. <laughs> Heather. You may have heard of it. Magical mystery tour. Two years ago, Peter and I rode every bus, cable car, streetcar, everything in the Muni umbrella. We rode it in one day. We, I said I would never do it again. <laughs> but we, I would do it again if you do it with us. Gladly. Yay, Gladly. it's official. So let's start with the positives. Okay. Um, Heather and I did this as a, um, uh, a gimmick, a way to get us to be able to do something that wasn't work, like regular work. It sounded fun. Um, she was going to impress her Muni-loving son. <laughs> And I that was, part didn't work, but I'm just kidding. He was very impressed. And um, and honestly, we thought it would be funny because we'd ride a bunch of buses and see this chaos and Muni has this reputation. And the deeper and deeper we got into it, the more we, I think, appreciated transit as a whole, not just Muni. And going out and getting to do this, um, I, I, I don't think it's an exaggeration to say that we both fell in love with San Francisco again. It shifted... Our focus in our job, which was from, you know, kind of more of a straightforward reporting to, well, we've got a little mission to, and that's to kind of share this experience that we had and try and open that up to other people too. Heather, am I? Yeah, we found that, you know, all the stuff that San Francisco is dinged for these days by the national and international media is pretty concentrated in the heart of the city. But mm -hmm. if you have to go on every bus and go to all corners of the city, you meet just regular people, super nice folks. Um, we met high school kids, this really cute elderly couple who was riding the T train just in hopes of finding us. Uh, we met a dog um, who uh, the Felton. photographer peeled off to take a stray dog to animal care and control. Just all these funny, weird things happened, and uh, we totally fell in love with the city and got to see parts of it you never would normally see. So that I, was the plus. I was going to adopt that dog. <laughs> he really was. I was. Like, and my wife's like jumping in on Twitter, that's our dog. It ended up it belonged to someone who was in supportive housing, and they got the dog back. But it got my kids and wife to feel like I committed to getting a dog. I've never owned one in my life. Um, our dog is named Ripley Municipal Heartlob. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's on the adoption uh -huh. certificate. Muni is the middle name of my dog. Mm -hmm. yeah. So this was, um, again, uh, we're mentioning all the positives now. This was very transformative for us. It, it, it made me feel like a better person, a better reporter. Um, it was a good thing that we We made we a lot did. of friends that we still have today who found yeah. us during the day. Yep. But you should know that there are bad parts, too. You will have to wake up really, really, really early because to accomplish this requires a start time of around like 2 or 3 in the morning. Of course. Happily, I've got my SFMTA-branded uh, coffee mug <laughs> okay. to uh, travel nice. with. Although, like don't eat or drink on board. What yeah. Who's that? That's Jane Jacobs. Oh. Oh, there's awesome. a photo on the, uh, <laughs> on the drawing on the... You have two Muni water bottles, by the way. Very well, this is brand. this is coffee. This is this is water. Gotcha. Because I I have typically about twelve hours of back to back meetings every single day. You'll have to clear one day to. I'll clear it and, and gratefully. <laughs> um, so I come supplied at all times with water and coffee. Otherwise, I would not yeah. make it through my days. So it took us eighteen hours. Okay. Bathroom and eating just happens on the fly. Should we bring a, a port of, you know, I, I, <laughs> I joke I Peter crazy because tendencies. I have a smaller bladder than him, and he's like, stop going to the bathroom. <laughs> there were seven bathroom stops <laughs> just for Heather, and then I had two more. Um, um, so traveling with me, we may be able to access the operator Ooh. facilities. Oh, that'd be so, awesome. Yeah. Well, that's another thing I want to talk about. I think 
like to make this fair, you've got to go undercover boss. Like no, he can't be undercover because everyone knows what he looks like. That's fine, but I don't think you can like call in like on a radio and call in a muni. Oh no no no! Yeah, you can't. Yeah, make no, we can't use disappear. it to an advantage. We That's have right. to see what it's really like. Yeah yeah, I'm not. Yeah, we're. It's going to be the actual headway of the bus, not some pretend like scrubbed down. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I just, you can't use your Muni superpowers to get <laughs> Muni to show up. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I understand people are going to recognize you. We'll be on social media. But um, I'm going to take him up on the bathroom offer. <laughs> <laughs> what was it called? Was it a 401? There, there's a code, 702, a, I think. 702. Bathroom stop. Yeah. 702. 702. Yeah. 702. So then we're like, now that's our code. Okay. It's time for a 702. We can call 702s. Um, it's intensive. I mean, we... When I, I had tracking it, we went like 13 miles on just foot. on foot. Mm-hmm. Um, I would compare it to running a half marathon while trying to play a game of chess. Mm-hmm. Um, trying to figure out which buses are coming where, which ones we might miss. There are a lot of buses that are on narrow windows that we have to hit. Yeah, um, It's intense. Right, and I assume, so did you, do, I assume you didn't do the 76, did you do the 25? No, that's the one we couldn't do. We did do the 25. That's why we have to start so early, because uh, you can't get stuck in Bay Bridge traffic, that's or it's right. not going to work. Yeah. So what we did, we'll debate the details, but we met at here, at mm-hmm. Fifth and Mission. Peter had his car. He's like, meet me in the parking lot at 2.30. I knocked on the window, and he freaked out. I was yeah. like, you told me to do this. Who did you think it was? But he drove us to Treasure Island, parked, then we started. Got yeah. it. So we started at Treasure Island, hit the Owls, hit as much of what we call Market Street Madness, because mm-hmm. we had to do the Market Street stuff when there was very little traffic. And then um, I'm going to not use the profanity, but um, we called it the blanking 88X, because there's just this <laughs> random muni line, mm-hmm. and I wish you could do something about it, but not before we do a total <laughs> muni. There's just this random muni line out by the that Balboa. That you have to BART to get to, and its whole point is to take people to BART on a muni bus. Yeah, so we basically went out to the stop, um, got off the BART stop, ran up one stop, mm-hmm. and then took that muni line one, one, back one to stop. Back Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, so, so can I, so I can't request my favorite segments of my favorite lines because because no. you really what would they be? i mean you would have to you would have to create a map that allows <laughs> us to do that um we're there, open to changing the route yeah i mean there were some some lines we rode a lot and there were some lines we rode and like we rode it one time and jumped off and ran back to where we started so if i could make a request to somehow include the place where the 33 banks Between Market Street and Clayton Street, where it makes Mm, a completely insane hairpin turn. It's 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 my favorite weird spot. It is really cool. Also, the thirty nine Coit Tower one does a crazy U turn on this really little block, and it Mm -hmm. doesn't seem like a bus should be able to do that. Yep. There's also the like at the very very end of the line on the twenty three, where the bus stop is literally in beach sand. It is. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I mean, you can make these requests. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to. I'm not suggesting the end of the line of the but, 23. But there's, <laughs> there's sacri- there. What we learned is like when we made it, you know, accounted for like we had like a marketing had us meet with a bunch of um, Chronicle subscribers, which was wonderful. But that set us back, and that means like we don't eat lunch yeah. unless 
someone uh, burrito justice shows up with a bag of burritos. Yeah. That was my highlight. My husband can also pack us lunches. Okay. That's what he does for me every day. Well, that awesome. that actually is kind of a nice thing because every um, moment that we were suffering, we were doing it on social media. <laughs> and um, it was fantastic because uh-huh. people like picked us up. Uh, literally, Burrito oh. Justice gave us safe passage through La Lengua and had a bunch of burritos when we needed it. And we had not eaten yet. Mm-hmm. Okay, I like relying on the kindness of strangers. Another of my favorite moments was a woman, um, Joni, who had been trying to catch us all day, but you're just so on the move and it was hard to figure out where we were and she was getting really frustrated. And I was like on Twitter, we're at the ferry building, we're getting a rickshaw. <laughs> and so she found us and she found another rickshaw. And the classic quote was, follow that rickshaw. So yeah. she was behind us two rickshaws going up the Embarcadero. <laughs> and <laughs> and then she rode buses with us for a while. Oh, she and she saved us yeah. later on when uh, the uh, disaster at the 2022 20, Clement. The two, two Clement. Clement. We yeah. didn't realize it shuts down at a certain point mm-hmm. in the evening and we mm-hmm. uh, we caught the very last one and she figured out the whole rest of our route for yeah, us. Yeah, we had to actually just totally hotwire our route and had a Muni passenger who happened to live in that neighborhood help us out and we're still very good friends. Um, we were on that rickshaw and someone who had been following us on his bike had gotten coffee for us and handed us coffee on a moving rickshaw. I mean... Bike to rickshaw, coffee, handoff. Mm-hmm. If there's a greater moment you can feel as a San Franciscan, I can't name it. <laughs> that is, that's beautiful. Um, I once had pizzas delivered to Caltrain. Oh, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Nice. How did they... On a moving Caltrain? Yeah. Wow. At Redwood City Station. That's awesome. How'd they do that? I mean... Uh, we used to, so back in the day when, uh, I mean, this was in the 90s, uh, before the current Caltrain schedule, there was a very limited number of limited stop trains for a reverse commute. Um, and we held Friday evening happy hours on train number 69. Wow. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and we would uh, pass around responsibility for hosting. Uh-huh. And so, uh, you know, it was mostly, it was mostly uh, gay Silicon Valley workers who lived in San Francisco. And so we needed to outcompete each other with the lavishness by which we decorated the train car and served up uh, you know full bar drinks and snacks that's awesome yeah and so uh there was a hawaiian theme uh car where uh hawaiian posters were put in all the train mm-hmm. windows uh pat somebody passed out grass skirts and we'd ordered uh um, hawaiian pizza at do Redwood you like City. hawaiian pizza well, it was part of the theme. Like, yeah. like when, you know, when you, like if you're going to commit yourself to a theme, <laughs> you like you've got to go all the way. On pizza. I don't know why you're making I'm that face. It's delicious. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's, that's my least favorite if I didn't, kind of pizza. If I didn't eat Hawaiian pizza in college, I would have gotten scurvy. That was like, <laughs> that was the only vitamin C I was getting in college was p- uh, pineapple on my pizza. It probably saved my life. There's actually, better. there's a fair amount of vitamin C and B in uh, good beer. Yeah. Hmm. These are the kinds of discussions <laughs> that we will be having when we get loopy in hour 15 of Total Muni 2020. Um, I want to ask you, what do you want to get out of this? What's your goal? What do you want to walk away with? Well, when I first moved to San Francisco uh, and was trying to understand the city uh, and was underemployed, I had a fast pass and um, every day would just pick a direction and find a muni line and ride it to the end of the line, getting off periodically to find a payphone. And you know, I, so I'd bring a stack of dimes with me, and I'd call my little cassette tape answering machine to see if the temp agency had a job for me, you know, like that day or the or the next day. And in the meantime, I just you know wandered around the muni. So I've ridden at least eighty percent of the system at some point, um, but there are some lines I've never ridden. 
Okay. Um, and I'm also with you that uh, particularly once you get out of the northeast quadrant of San Francisco, San Franciscans um, are different yeah. and more delightful <laughs> and um, and also have a real love for the system, including love that um, takes the form of frustration when, mm-hmm. when the system fails to deliver what we should deliver. Yeah. Um, I really like talking to San Franciscans like that. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, you'll get to do a lot of that. <laughs> good. <laughs> and yeah. we didn't really know each other before, but now we've become really good friends. So you will become a good friend, assuming nothing goes really wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And things can go wrong. I, yeah. And that's also part of the adventure. Yes. Yeah. Last logistical question. Are you a Giants fan? Because we ended last time at Oracle Park, which is obviously possible on the end, Judah. Do you like that idea? Or uh, I love that idea. In okay. fact, uh, I um, I have uh, some dear friends who work for the San Francisco Giants. Uh, yes. Yeah. Who uh, I well, I'll, although well, I, I'm not allowed to do any Muni related favors, but mm-hmm. m- maybe I can arrange some uh, non Muni related uh, favors. Cool. We can talk about it, but that was a really great um, motivator for us to know that there was like a beer waiting for us, that there was a game waiting for us, a little bit of beat the clock. Yeah, uh, we got there during the seventh inning stretch. They were singing Take Me Out to the Ball Game. And our families were waiting for us and had consumed all of the Anchor Steam and only left us Coors Light, and we're still <laughs> mad about it. Oh, yeah, <laughs> super messed up. Um, we can talk about that, we can talk about that, but I'd love um, to have a carrot like that and the Giants, that park, it's really Muni accessible. Um, we pulled in on the Enjuda. Mm-hmm. Uh, our, our nemesis, the Enjuda. Our nemesis. Um, not as bad as the 88X, but it, it lies. Yeah. Um, and, it says it's coming when it's not. Yeah. I, we want to say this to your face because <laughs> these conversations are going to come up. The Enjuda. Um, it lies. It my, says it's going to be there and it's not. My favorite lovers also lied. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So the route. Um, we have what we call, it's the Jerry White route. Um, it uh, was created by uh, one of our friends who we met in this process. He's a motorcycle, mm-hmm. Heather? A yeah. Motorcycle, what do they call that? He, he designs motorcycle rallies and he figured out our route for Muni. Yeah. And we know it works, but we're flexible to change it if you want to. Yeah, so how do you feel about that? Um, we can go with our uh, route that we know works, or we could put it out to listeners and readers to maybe try and come up with something different. Well, I it's such a puzzling math problem. It is. Right, cuz you're multi, you're you're optimizing for multiple variables simultaneously. Yeah. So it's it is the best kind of math problem. Mm-hmm. I really like the idea of putting it out there. Mm-hmm. Um, including uh, having some judging criteria mm. that would include not not only the efficiency of the route, but uh, whether we hit certain key particular landmarks mm-hmm. like, the hairpin. like the hairpin on the 33 um, uh, and I don't know other criteria that we might uh, yeah. make up I think we should put it out there but we have our fallback of the route that works if that's right nothing better comes right yeah. we'll need to come up with a prize though so if somebody comes up with a better route that that deserves a prize yes okay Ooh. are we gonna do that now or are we gonna think about that well what would the prize be uh, I don't know. I can offer a fast pass, <laughs> <laughs> a chronicle subscription. I have some. I have some Muni swag. I've got a Muni water bottle and a <laughs> and a coffee. That's right. Jar. How about a signed Muni water bottle, fast pass 
and a Chronicle Archive tour. Okay. Um, also, uh, a, a round of drinks on us. Yes. Awesome. I would do it for that. I mean, yeah. this is going to be the biggest competition ever. Okay. So we're in. Okay. This now is happening. Now we just need to work with your staff to find a date when you can actually do this. <laughs> um, I'll just tell the mayor that I'm clearing my, my calendar. <laughs> I, I think the last time we had this huge buildup, we had the date circled on a calendar. I think we should pick a date, but if someone gets sick, if there's some big thing going on in the city, that we should have the flexibility to cancel if we need to. If we're all quarantined. Yeah, yeah because uh, when we did it, um, a couple of the things that we would do differently is it's almost like we overplanned it and we had too much going on with us writing stuff for the Chronicle while it was going on. Awesome. Well, we're excited and we'll get, we'll figure out the schedule. Yeah. We'll pick a date and uh, we'll have you back for um, Total Muni, Total SF podcast part two once we've gotten a little bit further in this and we start hearing from the people about what they want out of it. Okay. I'll look forward to seeing you at 2.30 in the morning. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Thank you for coming on Total SF. Thank you for coming to the Chronicle. My pleasure. See you on the bus. All right. You are listening to the San Francisco Chronicle. Thank you to Heather Knight and our guest, Jeffrey Tumlin. Total SF is a production of the San Francisco Chronicle. Our music is The Tide Will Rise by the Sunset Shipwrecks off their album Community and Cable Car Bell Ringing by eight-time champion Byron Cobb. Support Total SF in the newsroom that creates it by signing up for a Chronicle membership at www.sfchronicle.com slash pod.